the podcast from Belmont Chapel in Exeter, sharing the story, living the life. For more information, go to belmontchapel.org.uk. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, everyone. Thank you. Sorry. Uh, My front line is education, and I'm a teacher. That probably just says everything about what I just did then. Um, Great to see you all this morning here and online. Uh, My name is Johnny Baker, and it is my privilege uh, this morning just to speak for a few minutes and just to bring this series uh, to a close. Um, Since the start of 2022, we've been looking at this idea of, uh, well, we've had this series called Frontline Sundays. Uh, Now, uh, Amber and Jenny, just a beautiful interview. Thank you so much. I'm just aware there may be the, the odd person who might have tuned in online, who may be with us for the first time and has just turned to someone and gone, frontline, what's that about? And, and if that's you, I can fully understand that. Um, the word frontline, it's not in the Bible, uh, and probably more significantly, it's not actually a word. Um, so you may be going, what is this all about? If you type frontline into Google, you get this, a product for cats and dogs. <laughs> Uh, that protects them against fleas and ticks. Other products for that are available too. Um, That's not what we're on about. Uh, We're on about a front line, which is a term created for Christians uh, by uh, the London Institute for Contemporary Christianity, LICC. Uh, And they define it as this. Your front line, if you're a follower of Jesus, is the place where you spend much of your time, where you meet people who don't know Jesus. It's the place God has called you, the place of possibility and potential. We may be old or young, healthy or infirm, employed or not, we still have a front line, a place God has put us. And over the past few weeks, uh, we've been thinking about how important our day-to-day lives are to God. How we live absolutely matters. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, every day of the week matters uh, to God. Now, without getting all teachery on us, please forgive me for what I'm about to do. Um, LICC, when they produce, they produce this kind of five-service booklet, and in the handbook, they give some kind of helpful outcomes uh, for the series. And if you've been with us for the past four weeks or so, if you haven't, you can catch up online. Um, but these are the aims that they said they would hope to happen as a result of this series. So after using Frontline Sundays, your congregation should, they say... This, and I just want to make sure we've, we've got this, because this is really, really important. Know that we have a front line, everyone. Be able to name it and start to own it. As well as that, we should be convinced that our front line matters to God and his purposes. Doesn't matter where you work or don't work, it matters. Uh, see what we do day by day with fresh eyes. At the importance and the possibility and the potential that we have. Be confident that first and foremost, we are significant because of who we are and whose we are, and that mission flows from this. We belong to God. Uh, Be inspired by the biblical foundations explored. And the last one was just know God just that little bit more. Uh, I've got one more job this morning. The final little bullet point from LICC is this. The encouragement is to deepen our commitment to the church family as a community of believers Learning the ways of Jesus in all of life. Uh, So far, we've looked at those four topics. And this morning, my last one I've got to do is together we grow. And we're going to have a look at some verses from Hebrews, a book in the New Testament. Now, the past four weeks have focused on our life outside when we're not together. Outside of church life, the workplace, the home, the pub, the sports club, the gym, the restaurant. 
you name it. But for the final week, we're going to be thinking about our time together in whatever form as church family. Now, Mark Green is the executive director of LICC, and he says this, this quote. He talks about a lot about staying red in a sea of grey. Now, on its own, that looks like a very strange uh, few words, staying red in a sea of grey. Uh, and if you don't know what he's talking about, it's the graphic. So it's this graphic here. Um, believe it or not, that is a visual representation of Christianity in the UK right now. Christians are in a small minority. Less than 6% of the population currently go to church once a month or more. That's six red dots in a sea of grey ones, which at first glance, let's be honest, that's pretty depressing, isn't it? I'd love it if the other way around, but it's not. That's depressing. But the reality is, is that those red dots on the left go into this world through Monday, Monday through Saturday, impacting thousands and thousands of people. At the end of the service, just see how many people that we impact on that graph over there. It's amazing. It's very, very exciting to think that the impact we could have. Now, so far in this series, we've thought about the image on the right when we're scattered. But this morning, we're just closing by thinking about that image on the left, that when we are together. And here's the big thing. I'll say this straight up at the start. The scattered church will only become more fruitful and potent Monday through Saturday if the gathered church continues to meet. That's that's straight out the gate. You see, Mark Green knows that if you want to stay red in a sea of grey, then you'll need to be plugged into the local church. Watch what happens if you neglect the image on the left. It looks all right for now, but what you see will happen, and it's very subtle, and it's very, very slow. And it took me ages to do that, so I'm going to do that again. Um, (laughs) It happens very, very slowly. And it's not a sudden moment, but just over time, what happens is that these great red dots become grey and invisible within the sea of grey ones. The coming together in whatever format is absolutely vital because together we grow. In the passage we're about to read, there's a really clear instruction, which is this. Uh, to given to followers of Jesus. Do not, do not give up meeting together. If you want to stay red in a sea of grey, then gathering together is important. Why is it important? Because in part, our gathered moments is where the redness comes from. It's where we're inspired, we're challenged, we're taught, we're encouraged, we're loved, we're commissioned, and so much more. But there's a bit of a problem that's emerged over the last two years. You see, although COVID has enabled the church to adapt and develop in many ways, there's been a price. There's been a recent report from the Evangelical Alliance found that the average church attendance is down 32% from before the, the, the pandemic. As well as that, there's a school of thought out there at the moment called the 30-40-30 school. Some Christians, scholars and theologians believe that this is what's happening post-COVID is that 30% of the church come back as normal, as committed and as fired up as they've ever been before. Away we go, let's keep going. 40% come back, but it's, it's just not quite as committed. And tragically, 30% have either not returned or have stopped joining in online. So in the next few minutes, I'm going to briefly try and explain why it's so important to not give up meeting together. Now, here's the thing. I know 
I know right now online and in this room, I'm preaching to the converted, um, as in you're here. Um, But all of us, I reckon, here's a challenge for all of us. All of us, I reckon, know at least one person who has given up, who has just stopped meeting together. They've forgotten that together we grow. And here's a little challenge for you this week. Just want you to picture them in your mind for a second. Someone you know is just drifting and just going. Uh, And what I'd like you to do is this week is to pray for them. I'd also like you to share this talk with them, if you can. It's easy now, isn't it? You press share on YouTube or you copy a link, you email WhatsApp. I'm not, not a technology man, but you can do something like that. And just share it with them. Encourage them to listen to this. Now, this is where it gets a bit weird. If you are now listening to this in the future, as a result of someone sharing this with you, please know this. You have been shared this talk because they love you so much. The people who sent you this love you. And they sent you this link because you're missing out. And we're missing out on you. Watch this. Welcomed, celebrated, restored, gathered together, encouraged, supported, loved, reminded who God is, hearts awed by his majesty, eyes seeing fresh, the wonder of grace, thankful for his awesome, unwavering love. Reminded who I am. And all I have received. Challenged. Equipped. Renewed. Commissioned. Ready. Sent. Great picture of church, hey? Um, I appreciate the moment. There's people who still can't join us. They're still online. So uh, we love you very much. And it looks like things are going in the right direction. So hopefully more and more and more will be able to return in the coming weeks, which is exciting. Uh, we're going to look this morning at seven verses from Hebrews chapter 10. Um, uh, during uh, our time here, in case you're new to us, we often go through a book in the Bible. We did that before Christmas. We looked at Galatians, but sometimes we look at big themes. This series, we looked at big themes. So Hebrews um, is a book in the New Testament. Just a little bit of context for you. Uh, Hebrews basically tells us that Jesus is brilliant. He's better than anything or anyone else. Um, in Hebrews, up until the point we're reading, we know that Jesus is better than the angels. He's better than Moses. Jesus is our great high priest. Jesus, 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 Jesus is brilliant. And as a response to that, we're called to do certain things. Because of how brilliant Jesus is and because of what he's done for us, 
There's, there's lots of things that we can do in response. And Hebrews 10 gives us some of those things we can do. Um, uh, so we're going to read Hebrews 10, uh, verses 19 to 25 together. If you want to scroll to it or find it, by all means, I'm going to put it on the screen as well for you. Here's what I want you to look for. I want you to look for three encouragements towards the end of the passage that the followers of Jesus are told to do together. So three encouragements and as well... Um, See if you can spot why someone once called Hebrews the salad book of the Bible. I'll get this. This is the worst joke I've ever told. I'm going to tell in a minute. But genuinely, it's really important, but it is the worst joke. I told my wife I was telling the worst joke ever, and she went, there's a lot of competition for that. Um, (laughs) Let's read it. Hebrews 10, 19 to 25. And I'm not joking about that. Uh, Here we go. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for those great words that we can freely uh, read together now as a family in this building and online. Father, please make them come alive now, we pray. And we pray we put these things in action as well. Amen. Let's get it out of the way. Did anyone spot why it's called the salad book of the Bible? Yeah. Did you not see all the lettuces? No? Okay, here it is. Let us draw near to God, verse 22. Let us hold unswerving to hope we... I told you it's bad. Unswervingly to hope we profess. Let us consider how we may spur one another on to love and good deeds. That is three times in seven verses. Here's the other thing, though. 14 times in Hebrews it says, let us. There's something in there. There has to be. The, the writer of the Hebrews, I think, is telling us this. The Christian uh, life is not a solo sport. We were built for community. We were built to be together. We're not built for isolation. And there's so much in those verses, I really don't have time to go and and unpick them deeply. And I am genuinely sorry for that. But here are three encouragements that I think the, the passage tells us. Firstly, I think encouragement one is that we're called to hold on to hope together. See that verse 23 there. Let us hold unswerving to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. I'll say that again. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. As a church family, we need to help one another to hold on to our faith in Jesus. You probably don't need me to tell you this, but there are things out there in today's world that can tempt us from giving up on following Jesus. We can easily grow cold in our faith. We live in a world of distractions, don't we? And the Bible's clear that there's an enemy, Satan, who hates what we do. Satan hates what is happening right now. The fact that we are reading the Bible together, the fact that we are gathered here online, the fact that some people who've given up on church might be listening to this right now, he hates it. 
Because what happens is when Christians gather together, they become redder. The grayness goes and the redness comes. He loves it when people drift. Now, you may say, yeah, but it's hard, isn't it, nowadays? Back then, they didn't have mobile phones. They didn't have Netflix or apps. They didn't have Wordle and things like that. Please note this if you're thinking that. The habit of missing church or quitting on it is not a new one. It's not something that has been accelerated by the last two years of COVID. It's been happening long ago. John Stott founded LICC, actually. He wrote this in a book a number of years ago. He said, the Christian landscape is strewn with the wreckage of derelict, half-built towers, the ruins of those who began to build and were unable to finish. 2,000 years ago, um, just after the church was created, the writer of the Hebrews is writing this because they're already giving up. This isn't a modern problem. This is a human problem. And so that's why this is written. As long as Christians have gathered, there's been this temptation to habitually miss and give up on church. But if you do that, you will miss out. And, and we will miss out on you too. That's really important. That's not either or, that's both. How cool was last Sunday, by the way? Yes, it was. Thank you. It was amazing. If you weren't with us, um, the pool was out and it was baptism Sunday. Uh, and if you weren't here online, we, were, we learned how uh, the Lord Jesus had transformed Megan, Sandy, Corey, and Saoirse through her articles, her, her, their lives. And it was just a wonderful uh, encouragement. I think many of us were cheered and inspired by what we saw and heard last Sunday. Actually, they helped us do verse 23, didn't they? They helped us to hold unswervingly to the hope we profess as they pointed us to Jesus And that's what gathering together does at times. It's really, really powerful. And the writer to the Hebrew knows that. He knows that when we gather together, we can do these things. We can draw near to God. Now, in the Old Testament, that was only done by priests. But since Jesus came and opened the way, we can all do that. How cool is that? Together, all of us can draw near to the creator and sustainer of the universe. And as well as that, when we gather together, we can get this full assurance The complete assurance of our faith. As we gather, as we focus on Jesus, we discover who we are as a result of what he has done for us. And thirdly, we all come today probably with all sorts of different baggage and different situations. And the Bible says that we can experience peace through this. We discover that our hearts are sprinkled with his blood and we're renewed. And there's that lovely kind of, you get to see a little bit of a baptism image there, don't you? Because our bodies are washed with pure water. We're called to hold on to hope together as well as that. Encouragement too, we're called to spur one another on to good works, says the passage. Uh, Verse 24, um, it says to love and good works. It seems strange, that doesn't it? Spurs quite a strong word, isn't it? It's like to provoke or to, to prod or something like that. And then you've got like love and good. They don't seem to meet, do they? But I think that's deliberate. It's so important that we do this. Because it's very, very easy for us to stop doing this. It's difficult living for Jesus when you are the six red dots in the world of grey. So we've got to do this together. Uh, I said that we looked at Galatians before, uh, at the end of 2021. Here's the verse at the end, in the final chapter. Another letter, so there we go. Uh, Let us not become weary in doing good. That is a great verse. I am in, I subscribe to that verse 
But the reality is that it happens. I become weary in doing good. And I think it happens to others as well. I can't speak for you, but I do know that in my own life, I become ungrateful. I become tired and self-centered. And at times, I want to quit following Jesus. And on bad days, I could easily give up. And if you ever feel like that, you're not alone. If that's you, please come and chat. If you're listening online, because someone has sent you the link, and it's you, get in touch, because we want to spur you on. I have been spurred on by others, and we want to spur you on. The writer to the Hebrews knows that we can help one another. We can spur one another on by not allowing each other to give up. We can help you, and you can help us. We absolutely need one another. Now, you may hear some people say this. You don't need to go to church to be a Christian. You don't need to join in online if you can't be there. Well, that is technically true. Technically true. You can be a Christian without going to church. It's also true that you can be married without ever going home. Now, I'm married to Hannah. Uh, If I stop going home, I've got a funny feeling that my relationship with her will not be in a good place. If we don't meet with one another, our relationship with God will be severely hampered. Because we'll have, well, one thing, we'll have less opportunity to spur one another on. I need you. Now you go, that's a, like a preacher soundbite, isn't it? That's, that's a lovely... No, it's true. I cannot do the Christian life without you, people online. And whether you like it or not, you, you can't do it without me and others within this congregation. There's things that are going on together. We can't live the Christian life on our own. We've got to spur one another on to good works. Uh, Last one, encouragement three, is this. It says in the passage, do not give give up meeting together. Now, you may say that, oh, you've said that already. Will you shut up, Baker? Um, No, not just for a second. Here is a random and seemingly ridiculously simple question for you. Just go with it a second. What is the opposite of not going to church? Duh, going to church. It's not. That's not the opposite. It's in the passage. That's not the opposite of that. The writer of the Hebrew tells us the opposite of not meeting together as church is this. It's encouraging one another. That's what should happen when we come together. It's how God has designed it to be when we're around. We'll lack encouragement if we're not together, and we won't be able to encourage others as well. Don't give up meeting together because you need the church, and don't give up meeting together because the church needs you. And that last little bit there, it's really important because I think some people just don't know that last little bit. The church needs you, absolutely. I, so, I wonder sometimes that if people just duck out because they think, do you know what, I'm not needed, I'm not missed. People can feel useless because they don't feel like they have anything to contribute. If you feel like that, it's not true. Absolutely, fundamentally not true. God does not make redundant Christians. He's never made one and he'll never make one in the future. It's just not true. 1 Corinthians 12 talks about the church as a body, quite a famous passage in the Bible. And uh, you don't need me to tell you that if you were to miss a, lose a bit of your body, 
you would miss it, wouldn't you? You would just, oh, that's not there. Can't do that. Can't do this. And not simply because of the tasks you can't perform with it, but also because other parts wouldn't function as well. Your foot, I get this, your foot would struggle to write emails. Your foot would struggle to collect the groceries, to play the piano, do all sorts of bits and pieces. But that doesn't mean that your foot is not integral to the useful functioning of your body. If you want to write an email, your feet take you to your laptop or your computer. The hand is only typically able to do what it does because the foot gets us to where it's needed to be. However less you may feel yourself to others, the Bible is absolutely emphatic. You are no less integral to the body of the church than anybody else. No one. God doesn't make redundant Christians. We're told, aren't we, in this passage, to encourage one another. Not just be encouraged uh, by those sufficiently advanced spiritually. I personally was hugely encouraged last week by everything I heard and saw from people who are much younger in the faith than I am. But they did verse 23 for me last week when they helped us. Whether you are young or old in the faith, whatever your gifting and talents are, we need you. You are absolutely needed. Your presence makes a difference. You are not dispensable. Now, you may be sat there and going, well, he's just picked one little passage from the Bible and he's gone and over-egged it and he's pulled it apart. No, I haven't. Could have picked 1 Thessalonians 3.10. We pray most early night and day that we may see you face to face together. What about 2 John 12? Though I have much to write to you, I would rather not use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to come to you and talk face to face so that our joy may be complete. That was my task. Deepen our commitment to the, well, the Holy Spirit's task, to the church family as a community of believers, learning the ways of Jesus in all of life. That's our task together. So for those of us in the building right now, those online right now, Sunday 13th of February, 10.52. Thank you. Genuinely, thank you for coming together. It's brilliant that we are together. But remember this, it's not just about being together. It's about encouraging one another. How are we going to do that this week? How are we going to spur one another on to love and good deeds. Jeff Lucas, the uh, writer and uh, author, says this, when we carefully write a note of well-phrased thanks or express very specific and thoughtful appreciation for the service that others have done for us, we nudge them on to greater things. Don't just pat someone on the back and say, well done, but rather tell them why what they did was done well. Let's help each other, not out, but up. And for anyone listening in who has or is considering giving up meeting together, please know this. You're needed. You are vital. Don't go. Come back. You need us and we absolutely need you. And finally, this is promise of finally, if you're still not convinced that church is important, I've got one last grenade and then I'm out of ammo for the morning. If you still don't believe that you're vital, if you still don't believe that you matter, that the church doesn't need you and you don't need church, just think for a moment about Jesus. What does Jesus think of the church? Well, there's this lovely image in the, the New Testament of Jesus as the groom and the church as the bride. Sam Albury says this, if you're in any doubt about what Jesus thinks. If you want to grasp how committed Jesus is to the church, here's your answer. He doesn't just create it and let it be, he marries it. 
Church is not his hobby. It's his marriage. If you want to stay red in a sea of grey dots, if you want to continue to have an impact on your front line, if you want to see more and more and more people know that they're created, known, loved by the creator of the universe, then we're going to need to do it together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he gave everything for us. Uh, We're only here because of him and because of you. Father, thank you also for the church. I'm sure all of us in the building online at, at times become disillusioned with the church. Sometimes we'll love it, sometimes we'll, we'll hate it, but it's yours. Father, we, we commit to holding on to hope together. Father, we want to spur one another on to love and good deeds. And we're not going to give up meeting together. Because that's what you told us to do, and that's what we're going to continue to do. Please, Father, in the coming weeks, months, and years, change the picture. More red. Less grey, we pray. Amen.